Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 68 for the week of December 21st, 2018. A holiday special edition. Without any Christmas movies. Without any Christmas movies of the Film Coterie. Yep. How are you, Adam? I'm good. Are you enjoying your time in Texas? <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm calling in from the future. We're recording this ahead of time. <laughs> but when this comes out, I will be in Texas. There you go. And uh, I'm... Let's, Let's talk about Letterboxd, because yes. Roger and I just sat here today actually going through the films we've seen this year, and this is not a paid promotion. No one pays us for anything. Yet, Letterboxd, unless you're listening. Letterboxd is a lifesaver, because... Now, explain what it is first, because there's going to be... I'm going to have people in my social circles that have never heard of this service. All right, so Letterboxd is a website and an app. Uh, it's spelled L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D. There's no E in the letterbox at the end. And it's a site for you really just to track and rate the movies you've seen. So when you see a movie, you can add it to your list. If you're running one for 2018, you're keeping a separate list for the best of. It's one of the few and only ways I can keep any sanity in managing all the titles I see at film festivals throughout the year. And it makes life a lot easier when I'm trying to do my best of list and just cycling it down and actually looking at a, a few movies. Because there's, there's stuff that slips through the cracks, like Annihilation we saw back in February. Yeah. And that one could crack my top 10. I'm going to watch it again. But thanks to Letterboxd, you know, I'm aware that I did see it this year and it's not too far in the past. Well, I love Letterboxd. I, I could not, I could not, you know, keep track of any of the movies I see and what I thought of them. It, it's a wonderful way to, to, like you said, put in your snapshot th thought of the movie, rate it real quickly. You can create lists, all those fun things. And you can see what your friends or the people you're connected yes. to are watching. So I always find it interesting when a friend throws up a newer movie or an older movie and gives a star rating. Yeah, absolutely. So I, we say all that to say, get on Letterboxd. Become our friends on Letterboxd. We want to know what you think of movies as well, too. And uh, that it, my number one complaint is I wish more people were on Letterboxd. Yeah. And one funny thing I find myself doing, I don't know if you do this, when I'm looking over my best of list, I'll cycle reviews. I may add an extra half star here, take a half totally star away. Do. My my thoughts over movies do definitely change over time. Yep. Yeah. There's my initial what did I think of this movie? Um, and then when I go to list my top ten films of the year, best of category, it always gets tweaked, stuff comes down, stuff goes up. Um, I know if something if I saw something in February or March and I'm still really high on it. That's huge. You know, that goes a lot, that moves it up the list if I'm still. And honestly, it, it tells me what I should give a second watch to because there are some films I see that at this point I do want to see them again and see where yeah. they fall in my top. And 10. Annihilation is one of those films you mentioned. I That's mean, just for me, yeah. I walked in, I was in Florida and was using my then defunct, my movie pass and popped in on a, on a, like a Tuesday night. And so I thought, oh, I'll see this movie, Annihilation, and was blown away. You know, now watching it again, it may fall a little bit or it may come up even higher. I don't yeah. know. Absolutely. So, okay, Adam. So I am really excited because we have two very cool, awesome movies we're going to watch. First one is Spider-Man. Into the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse. And the second one is The Mortal Engines. So the new Peter Jackson produced mega monster, mega huge, giant, epic, utopian, dystopian Hungry cities. Hungry cities. Hungry, hungry cities. Hungry, hungry cities world, you know. So should be a lot of fun, man. I, you know, why don't we why don't we um jump right in and listen in a little bit to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse to kind of set the tone and then we'll come back and talk about it. 
You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. What makes you different is what makes you Spider-Man. My name is Peter Parker. I'm pretty sure you know the rest. I saved the city, fell in love, then I saved the city again and again and again. Look, I'm a comic book, a serial, I did a Christmas album, and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. Spider-Man swings in once a day, zip-zaps off in his little mask and answers to no one. I love you, Miles. Yeah, I know, Dad. You gotta say I love you back. Dad, are you serious? I want to hear it. Look at this place. Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. That's a copy. All right, the first movie we're going to be talking about this evening is the new animated Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And this is Sony's first dabble into seeing whether these these heroes can exist in the animated universe and attract an audience. DC's been doing this for a while, but they've all been, to my knowledge, direct home-to-video, premium VOD titles, Justice League animated movies. And I, I don't know how well they've done, honestly, on the home video market. Yeah, I've not been a big listener, I mean a big watcher of the home release. I've seen a couple, and they're they're pretty good, but yeah. they're they're more traditional cell animation. They're not this 3D high-end animation right. that, that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is. Yeah. So this is a tale to introduce Miles Morales, who, if you're not familiar, was introduced a couple of years ago, maybe seven years ago, as a new Spider-Man in a universe where Peter Parker exists. In this movie, there's some interdimensional turmoil, and it brings a bunch of Spider-Men and women and animals to Miles' universe as he's just learning to become Spider-Man. Yeah, and I, I didn't know what to think. I'll be honest with you. I'd seen a couple previews, and I thought, you yeah, know. Yeah, I'd say this. The previews don't really do the movie justice. Yeah, I thought, well, and you brought it up. You're like, you know, this is movie's getting a lot of buzz as one of the best animated films of the year. And I'm like, well, let's go see it then, you know. Um, and I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised. I, it's so nice to see a, a good story that that goes against the the trope of I got bit by a radioactive spider and the one and only Spider-Man, you know, that, that we know we don't need Spider-Man's backstory. We don't ever need it again. Maybe in a thousand years if we take a break and we've never heard of Spider-Man, the world can get the story. But we all know the backstory, you know. But they turn the backstory upside down and they show you what happens if there was a temporal displacement and all the multiverses came. Several Spider-Mans were pulled from other places. And, you know, it's it's um really good. I, I just was very pleasantly surprised. Enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. So I think the movie was very smart and it played to the strengths of the animation because you wouldn't have attempted this storyline, I don't believe, in a live-action movie. <coughs> no, you really couldn't. The characters and the different Spider-Men and women all have different unique animation styles and all kinds of things going on. And it allowed them to have more fun with the designs. The villains are very iconic and done in an interesting way in this movie. And there's a lot of villains. I mean, it, it keeps things interesting. But the focus is never on the villains. That's the pretty smart thing. Even right. though there's a lot in this yes. movie, it's really on Miles, and it's really on one particular Peter Parker, played by Jake Johnson, that I just absolutely loved this version of the character. Oh, He's a down-and-out Spider-Man. Yeah. Divorced, wearing sweatpants, kind of given up. Things are not going well for him sleeping in, depressed, and not only does he have to make Miles into a Spider-Man and learn how to use all of his abilities, but at the same time, Miles is trying to save him and get him back into his own world yeah. in, a, in a better place. 
And the film is shot beautifully. Uh, it's very probably the most comic book movie of the year we've seen. I mean, frames and still frames, and you can thought see, bubbles. Yeah, thought bubbles. You can see the celluloid whole prints on the side of the um, of the of the frames, like the old comic celluloid. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but like the little dot 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 that would appear across the type, the master cells that when they would produce comics. And, I mean, just just really neat little touches. Um, but a lot of different art styles. I mean, I mean a lot. Not, I mean, some characters very high res CGI kind of three D, and then others more, much more two dimensional. Um, a a Looney Tunes esque Spider Man that is hilarious. That I thought it would never be pulled off in a million years, and they pulled it off. And even a joke that he makes that is is borderline. Oh, can we legally do that? Because we don't own the rights to Looney Tunes, you know. Um, just just very fun. This is the perfect, I don't know if you take your young kids to see this, but this is a perfect take your family or go, you want something fun to do over the Christmas break, go see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's a fun ride. And I'll say this, as a comic book fan, this is such a love letter to Spider-Man. That all the credit in the world to the writers on this movie. I know Phil Lord from Lord and Miller had the credit for the story. He also helped write the screenplay. This movie not only understands what Spider-Man is, <clears throat> it makes that the central focus that you know anyone can become Spider-Man, and it's that diversity that they're bringing into the movie. Plus, it's just told so well. And Stanley has a great cameo in this, by the way. Oh, and and go ahead, no, go ahead, Adam. And I just loved the. The look at who, how to become Spider-Man, the similarities between them all. They've all suffered a loss, and they're all choosing to use their powers for well, good and become heroes. Yeah. That, to me, was the fascinating part of the film was there is, like you said, certain—to be Spider-Man, you have to have suffered a great loss. And have gained powers. And have gained— and all th their losses were all different mm -hmm. because it's different universes, and they explored that. And then I have to give a shout-out to Nick Cage— as Spider-Man Noir. As Spider-Man Noir, he is the black and white Spider-Man. He is great. I mean, I just loved it. Every time he was on screen, I just oh, I just ate it up and loved his 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 Spider-Man. But I mean, you've got Chris Pine is in this. Uh, I mean, just a great cast. Oscar Isaac is is interesting person, number one voice, you know. Just all these little cameos that you get in these type of little animated projects. Um, and I gotta say, the sum now now the sum of the parts adds up to a pretty pretty damn good movie, just to be it's honest with you. It's stuffed with heart. It's yes. just very earnest. And I'll say this. I've only seen it once, but I feel like I can say I think this is not only the best, but it's my favorite Spider-Man movie I, out of, of the whole canon of Spider-Man movies. I came home and ordered it on iTunes. It was available for pre-order, and I didn't even – I just ordered it instantly because I thought I can't wait to sit down with my kids and watch this movie with them, you know. Um this movie it has one whole section of it that I guess your ep the epic battle toward the end is so frenetic and and kinetic and chaotic and multiple universes versus coming together that who it 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 almost I, I almost kind of had to shut my eyes for a second and give my my mind a time to catch up but uh, overall, very, very good. I, I think if you're a fan of comic books, and you're, especially if you're a fan of Spider-Man, you're going to love this movie. And if their experiment was to see whether or not they could make a, a good quality product with animated Marvel, 
they've knocked this one out of the park. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And again, this is Sony, so they right now just have the rights to Spider-Man and all the villains. So it sounds like they're already even fast-tracking a sequel, which are going to focus on Miles and Gwen. Right. Which I think is a good move. No, yeah. Well, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm going to, it may be, yeah, but um, uh, bringing the, some of the characters back, I think, is definitely kind of will work in their favor. Um, so, yeah, that's our first movie. I would totally, totally recommend Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And then, um, and you would as well, I'm assuming? Yeah, uh, without a doubt, absolutely. And I'll say this, for Stingers, there are two in the credits. One is just a tribute to Stan Lee, but there is one at the end. Not essential, but played for laughs, but there is something yeah. after the credits. Yep, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break and come back. I want, we're going to listen in a little bit on Mortal Engines, the new uh, produced, Peter Jackson-produced uh, massive movie of city, what did you call them, city? Hungry, hungry cities. Hungry, hungry cities. So um, you're listening to the Film Coterie podcast. Let's listen in on the Mortal Engines, and we'll be right back after the break. Strange to think this is what it looked like. 21st century? Yep. It's so different. That's what happens when the Earth's crust gets shattered into a thousand pieces. Check this out. This is what I wanted to show you. It's a quantum energy weapon. There were dozens of them all over the globe. My God. How can a society so advanced so scientific, be so stupid. No more stupid than people today. They just had far worse weapons. All right, and that was a little listen in on the Mortal Engines. Mortal Engines. Ah, oh, how would you describe Adam? Mortal Engines is a post-apocalyptic world where cities ride on wheels and consume each other to survive. Two people meet in London and try to stop a conspiracy. So I'll say this: the first part of that sentence is the good part of the movie. That you're 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 interested in these cities, this unique universe. As soon as the movie shifts over to a conspiracy, it just goes off a cliff. I, I could not agree with you more. Post post apocalyptic world is not played out in this. It's very interesting here. Peter Jackson spends, I should say, Christian Rivers was the director. <clears throat> they spend a lot of time building this world. Um, it's literally not just a hundred years. It is thousands of years after this apocalyptic event. And um, <clears throat> there's a couple funny throwaway lines of what, what used to be the gods we worshipped and different things. And Twinkies. And Twinkies, you know. Um, but but they play a lot of our culture today as, <clears throat> you know, stuff uh, paleontologists and, and archaeologists and people would dig up and look for in years to come, you know. Uh, they have, it, it's a world without nuclear power or any kind of massive power. It's kind of a steampunky world, you know. <clears throat> and, I mean, the general gist is that they're giant cities. You've seen it in the preview. They're called predator cities. They yeah. drive around and eat, literally just compact and eat the smaller cities for resources. And, and when you first, when I first saw that or we heard that, I thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, you know. But it works on the screen. I mean, that's the best part of this movie. The best part of the entire movie is the opening 10 minutes. 
because it's unique. We've never seen anything like this. It's shot really well with the smaller city scattering into smaller parts. Yeah. The big city hunting it. Great special effects throughout the movie. I mean, that's the high point of the movie is that Christian Rivers used to work at Weta, still does probably, and he's directing this for Peter Jackson. Visually, they spent a ton of time in pre-production. Everything looks good. The sets are great. Like I said, it's special effects. This is top five of the year for me. No, I mean, it looks beautiful. There's no argument. The cast outside of Hugo Weaving is what I would call probably more not B actors, you know, like, you know, British, New, or unknown. New Zealand, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, you know, they're, they're not mainstream that you would just recognize instantly, you know. And then Hugo Weaving is playing the menacing overlord, so I don't even think he really has to act. <laughs> no, I, I mean, Hugo Weaving can play this role in his sleep. Yeah, and... it's it's the it's the Hugo Weaving role, you know. It He's... may have even been written for him when they wrote the young adult books. Yeah, Maybe they pictured I, Hugo Weaving. I, I think so, you know. And so you definitely don't even attempt to pull at the strings of this movie because no. it will fall apart instantly. There's no real motivation. Why do the cities need to be traveling around? Why not? It's a thousand years after the apocalyptic event. And the apocalyptic event did not involve radiation from, no. what we, from the movie. Maybe from the book's we, different. Yeah, maybe the books are different. So why not just grow things? Why not stop and start an uh, agrarian society all over again, you know? But it's fun. It looks good. The acting is par, subpar at times. I mean, it's just okay, yeah, you know? Yeah, the story's really, like I said, the last act, the last act and a ha- act and a half. Oh, it's just a big mess. It's just oh, long and drug out, and it's a super weapon. Yeah, they have to save the day. I mean, you've seen this last act a hundred times over the course yeah. of your life. Every beat is already known before it ever comes out. You know exactly what's going to happen. No surprises. It's just right down the gutter. I, I will say though, if you have. If you have a movie pass or AMC Stubbs list or whatever, or, uh, you have a subscription to one of these movie places, g- go check it out the first 30 minutes before you go <laughs> see something else. It's beautiful. I mean, it is gorgeous at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I we haven't seen Bumblebee yet. That's getting actually a lot of buzz, and people are calling it, you know, feels Spielbergian. I mean, there's with other family movies, I would go see Into the Spider Verse in a heartbeat oh, no, over this. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know that I would choose Mortal Engines right now over no. very much else or, in theaters. Or if you're if you're home and you have a nice 4K TV, a big screen, and you it's you know up for a cheap 99 cent rental for the week. There you go. Yeah, just rent it and and why it is very very pretty. And you know, you guys you, you may love it, but I tell you, it's just. And we tried to find. I mean, we asked around a little bit to see if anyone had read the books, and we we don't know anyone that has. So right. I'd be curious to see what a fan of the series thought of the movie. So, I mean, that's something we don't have that perspective on because I don't know how different it is from the book series. Yeah, so can't really recommend it. Um, you know, it's it, it's just, it's rough. The last hour of that movie is hard to sit through, and it's a two-hour movie. So, yeah. You feel every minute of that last part. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap it up for the Mortal Engines. Let's take a quick break, come back, we'll get into our coming attraction segment and see what we have to look forward to between Christmas and New Year's. And can you believe, Adam, we are coming to the end of 2018, and just in a couple episodes, we'll be recording year three of our podcast. That's incredible. It is. Yeah, I can't (laughs) believe it's been that long already. 
Oh, my gosh. Let's take a quick break. You are listening to The Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music. And we are back, and this is our coming attraction segment. And so, Adam, what do we have to look forward to maybe in our next podcast? Might be the last podcast of 2018. This is where all the blockbusters come into play, because right around Christmas, out comes Aquaman, Bumblebee, and Mary Poppins Returns. Each studio is putting out something pretty big at this point. Yeah, and so... And we could have had more. They bumped stuff, like Alita... Yes. Fell into February and yep. some other movies and moved out as well out of the way. There's yeah. just no Star Wars this year, and that's I what know. makes December feel a little dif- different. You don't have that huge, huge tentpole. Yep. Absolutely. Although Aquaman's killing it around the world, it's already made over two hundred million dollars before it's even opened here. Maybe that's the new, the new path to success for DC. Release overseas for two or three weeks. No, I think release better movies. Aquaman's being well-received, I mean, by the fans. Uh, we'll see. We'll Critically, f- I, yeah, I don't know where it's going to land yet. Yeah. We've not seen it yet. We're actually going to be seeing it at uh, a screening this week. Yeah, so we'll see it at a screening this week, and then we'll be back uh, next week with the, with the podcast review of it. But uh, I'm excited. Mary Poppins Returns will be interesting for me. Yeah, I'm not a huge Mary Poppins. Like, my, my family is. My wife and daughter uh, love Mary Poppins, and so— I know they're really jacked to see this, but I mean, I'm not, you know, it's it's Disney. It's, it's I'm know. in the same boat. I mean, I'm aware of yeah. Mary Poppins. I saw it as a kid. It was never my favorite movie. Yeah, me either. Um, but uh, Aquaman, we'll see. I'm I. I guess my this my bar is set low for that movie going into it, so that might be a good thing. So can't hurt. No, absolutely. And then Bumblebee again. You've been you've been kind of on this Bumblebee kick for months now. Like I'm telling you, this might be good. They've, you know, um, it's not Michael Bay. It's, yeah, it's not. Yeah, no Michael Bay. It's and... Travis Knight from Leica Studios. I mean, there's some exciting things here, and it, I'd like to see Transformers in different hands. I'm not a big Transformers fan, but there's been enough changes and enough good early buzz to Bumblebee that has me definitely checking it out. Where if this was Transformers Part Eight from Michael Bay, I wouldn't go to a theater to see it at this point. No. But Bumblebee is the heart of the whole franchise. He is. And so if you're going to make a heartfelt movie, you might as well use him. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of The Film Coterie. Adam, if folks want to connect with us on the social interwebs, how can they reach out and get a hold of us? We're on Facebook. If you just go to facebook.com backslash film you'll find our page. You can tell us what you see, argue with us, and say that we're wrong or right on whatever else we've been watching. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram with our handle at Film Coterie on both of those sites. Absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the Film Coterie. One more edition to go in 2018. One more episode to go, and then we'll be done. So you guys get out, enjoy the holidays, enjoy your friends and family, go to the movies, and reach out and connect to us and let us know what you see. That's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the Film Coterie Podcast.